Hello and welcome to the Let's Talk Attachments podcast. My name is Jessica De Silva and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist and an attachment coach helping adults end their unhealthy dating patterns and create stronger, secure relationships. I created this podcast as a platform to answer your questions and dive deeper into different aspects of each attachment style. I also share personal insights and stories in order to help you make sense of what you are experiencing. So please listen with an open heart and an open mind. Without further ado, let's get into it. So before we dive into today's podcast episode, I am thrilled to finally announce that enrollment for my Secure Self Academy for the Fearful Avoidant Attachment Style is now available. So if you've been waiting patiently for this moment, this is your time to shine. This eight-week self-paced e-course is for the fearful avoidant who wants to feel more secure within themselves and their relationships, who wants to have more control over their emotional experiences, to feel more stable and grounded in who they are and what they want, and who wants to have the tools to manage their relationship anxieties when they surface. If this sounds like you, this online course will give you the actionable tools to guide you on your journey to becoming your most secure self. So to learn more and sign up, you can visit the link in the show notes. Hello, everybody. So today on the podcast, we have Priyanka Yadvenda. She is an intimacy and dating coach who helps women heal the five emotional wounds, abandonment, rejection, betrayal, injustice, and humiliation, um, and really helps them embody their inner seductress to receive love and intimacy through coaching, her courses, and her workshops. Um, Priyanka is also a former coaching client of mine who went through the attachment coaching program, and I am just excited that she wanted to come onto the podcast and share her story with overcoming the fearful avoidant attachment style and how this attachment style has really just impacted her life and her relationships for so long and how she is finally experiencing a beautiful, secure, and healthy relationship. And so I thought that she would come on here and share her story so that she could inspire and motivate whoever is listening to really believe in themselves, to believe in their growth, um, and to believe that a healthy kind of love, you know, a healthy relationship with yourself, a healthy relationship with others is possible, possible for anybody. So let's get into it. So hello, Priyanka. Welcome to my podcast. I'm happy that you're here. Um, I'm happy that you, you know, agreed to share your story with having a fearful avoidant attachment style. Um, just because I know that these personal stories and insights are really, really helpful for people as it gives them hope that they can also shift their insecure ways of experiencing love. So welcome. <laughs> Thank you, Jessica. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> hey, okay. So let's just get into some of the questions <laughs> that I'm going to be asking you today. So <laughs> tell me about, and I know this is kind of like a broad question, obviously, but tell me about 
your attachment style. So tell me about how you having a fearful avoidant attachment style has kind of impacted your life. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. Well, to be honest, I think for a good part of my life, I didn't even know. I knew literally nothing that the whole attachment style theory even existed. And, um, and then, and then to actually find out that I have a fearful avoidant attachment style, I think it was like three or four years ago, I found out this information. And, um, you know, all my life, like I've craved, like, intimacy, but pushed it away. And I always had a very anxious way of dealing with things in relationships. It was just I never thought that it could be in any other way. I just thought this is a very normal way how everyone does it. So, you know, it's not until, um, you know, um, you know, I'm 36 now, but um, four years ago, I think when I, 32, around my early 30s, um, after like several kind of like toxic relationships, I went through some like emotional mental abuse. Um, I just couldn't understand why I kind of kept attracting the same type of man and relationship. Mm-hmm. And I think it really brought me to my knees, I think, like three years ago. And I was just like, I, I couldn't understand watching, to be very honest, like all my friends, people I know, like getting, you know, happily married, you know, settling down in life. And it's something I really, really desired, but I just couldn't understand why I did not feel those same feelings. And so when I started to learn about the attachment style four years ago, and I realized I have it, but even then I learned it, but I didn't know how to embody it or implement it into my life until I started like working with you. But yeah, I think it's impacted every part of my life. I mean, including work and friendships and other parts of my life too. Wow. Wow. And I totally understand what you're saying about, like you, you're experiencing love in this way because that's what you know, that's what was modeled to you, that's what is like normal to you. But then you see other people and you're like, wow, why can't I experience that? <laughs> like, why can't I have something like that? Um, and it's so cool that you can. It's so cool that you actually can experience a healthy relationship if you learn to shift, well, identify your patterns and begin shifting them. Um, So tell me about some of your challenges with the fearful avoidant attachment style. Well, some of my challenges was that, um, um, well, main thing was like, I've always been a romantic all my life, like a dreamer and a romantic, but like, I've like since childhood I always had these like fantasies of what like my life would look like with Mm -hmm. my man and getting married and all that type of stuff and like you know and I'm a Taurus so we're super romantic um but um but at the same time I would I consistently noticed like I was I didn't even know this but I guess like I just knew like I, I would be somehow attracted to the guy who would make me feel very anxious and not secure. I mean, like I look back to all my crushes since childhood. I mean, even from like elementary school to now, somebody that would make me feel butterflies in my stomach. Like I really felt that. And I would mistake that for like love and healthy connection, but it was really probably more attraction and like just an anxious feeling. Um, And then I, you know, that, that happened consistently across the years. And I, you know, I felt like, like I couldn't 
like nothing ever felt easy in my relationships in the past. It's like everything was like hard. Everything had to feel like I earned it. I didn't even realize those things at the time. I just thought it was completely normal. And I'm somebody, you know, who I, you know, am like, I have my life together and other parts of my life, like, you know, career wise and otherwise, like, I, I feel like I've been like a good daughter. I've been like a good friend been a good, you know, good, like employee, but I just couldn't understand. Like, I kind of thought like, um, you know, it's normal for like the relationships part to be like that. And then I also noticed that if anybody did show me love and intimacy and I look back and I realized those were probably more healthy, secure, emotionally available men, I would just push them away. I would not be attracted to them. And I, you know, and I never gave it a chance to even develop more. I was always drawn to the person who would create that anxious feeling. So, you know, I, you know, throughout my childhood, throughout my teenager years and 20s, and it was reflected in my first relationship till as well, you know, in my 20s too, but I didn't feel lovable. Yeah. And so I attracted also very wounded men who didn't feel worthy and lovable too. Yeah. And, um, you know, I never, like, I didn't understand, like, um, you know, just like little things, like, I felt like I had, I accept a lot of breadcrumbs in, like, relationships. And I always thought, like, oh, if I want this, it's too much for me to ask for this. And I could go and ask, like, I could have a perfectly good conversation with my boss, you know, at work or with some, like, running a meeting, asking for a raise, you know, or something like that, like, you know, and, but I couldn't like ask for, oh, my need, basic needs to be met in a relationship, mm. you know, like, and I didn't even think it could be any different as well. And, um, you know, I would, if I did want something, like even something as basic as like, I want flowers or I want you to like, I want consistency in terms of somebody like calling me or, you know, in and having dates with somebody consistently, I didn't, like, I would think I'd be too much to ask for those type of things. Mm -hmm. You know, I thought every, and I also thought every man, because since I was drawn to the man who was very wounded and who, you know, everybody has some form of trauma and wounding, of course, but I was drawn to the person who didn't want to take responsibility for their wounding and their trauma because everybody has it. That's and I kind of like got into like a caretaker kind of a role and wanted to almost like save them you know and um and I just felt like you know um yeah I would be like too much like all my needs I didn't even like I would be too much to ask for my needs and I couldn't even admit that those were my basic needs in the first place so I was like living a lie to myself to tell you the truth most of the time yeah. Wow. And I love that you mentioned the caretaker role, like the savior role, because that's so, so, so common in that fearful avoidant attachment style, um, which is interesting because as you're talking about this, you know, I mean, we, I think about the past, right. And how, again, how you learn to experience love when you were younger gets translated, gets carried into how you experience love as an adult, right? So these feelings of unworthiness, these feelings of playing the caretaker, of wanting to save your person, of feeling anxious in the relationship, it really stems from having those same experiences when you were younger. So do you mind telling us how, like the similarities? Um, yes, you mean from like childhood? Um, yeah. to 
Uh, yeah, absolutely. Like, um, and I think that's part of the reason why I took some time, like even after when I did learn about an attachment style four years ago, you know, I learned what it was, but I think it's actually, even when you learn something so practically, like it's hard to do the inner work because it's so connected to your childhood. And it brings up everything that you've avoided for a long time and from your past and your relationships, you know, it's very confronting, you know, work to do. And so, you know, I look back and, you know, my parents are very, very loving people, really kind, you know, really played a big role in my life where they were very involved in my education, you know, and, and all of that. But my parents also came from, you know, they had their own traumatic childhoods, their own wounding and their own trauma. And so, you know, in both sides of my family, you know, there's mostly been a very wounded relationship kind of type of model and dynamic. Like, I honestly, and even hearing it growing up from my other family friends, you know, watching other people's like their relationships with their parents and children and you know, and, um, you know, other people's marriages and relationships, like it was no, like, it became a normal thing. By the time I reached my 20s, like in my childhood, I just thought it was normal, like, oh, people are, when they get mad at each other, they don't talk to each other. Like, I often did not see my parents resolve their conflict in a healthy way. Mm -hmm. And, um, um, you know, and they're both loving and kind people, but I didn't see them resolve their own stuff with each other. And I thought it was normal that P2 people, you know, they would either yell, you know, at each other, or they would not talk to each other for like days. Um, and, um, I, you know, growing up, I think um, any conflict was like really, really intense. Um, you know, it like, I would just notice if there was any conflict, like I would kind of like, I would be present. I would not be em emotionally present. Like I would be physically present, but I would find myself kind of drifting off. Like, and I would kind of like shut down. Um, and then, you know, I think the, because of my parents kind of traumatic childhoods and their own wounding, sometimes there wasn't a lot of emotional consistency. Yeah. You know, they weren't not loved the way they should have been probably by their caretakers and parents in their childhood. So, you know, and I'm sure they were kind of processing their own things, but you know, when you're a child, you don't know those things fully. You kind of take it upon yourself. Like, oh, if somebody's having a conflict or you see your mother, your father, like maybe not in the mood or not like happy. Like I used to take, one thing I noticed is I used to take my parents' moods, especially my mother's moods very seriously. Like I used to think it was because of me if I saw my mom or my dad, like, um, you know, and especially with the mother, because you spend a lot of time with your mom, like, um, you know, and um, like, if she was angry or sad or happy, it was all because of me, like, and I, that mimicked my relationships later, like, I would take my partner's moods very seriously. And I'm not even saying necessarily that, like, my parent or my partner would put that on me but that was just something like I got like I got you like I just really took you know seriously and then I think you know I was a very sensitive child and you know sometimes when your parents have their own wounding you know they they um were not seen in love the right way as children then they don't know how to do it sometimes with their own children or other people. And so I feel like it's not something that was intentional, but I do feel like that, um, you know, I wasn't always seen 
the way I should have been like as a child, you know, and, um, you know, and sometimes like, um, um, you know, I heard a lot of stories. One other thing I did notice is it was very normal for me to see in my both sides of my family and other family friends growing up because I had a lot of my parents, a lot of friends that we would go to each other's houses and meet up. And it was normal to see people and not in healthy, happy relationships and marriages. Like, you know, everybody like it, it was just like it was like a rare thing almost. And so I was like, okay, this is normal. I mean, this is how it is for everybody. This is just what you need to settle with in life. It's kind of like people thinking, oh, I'm going to do an office job for the rest of my life, even if I don't want to do it. Like there's nothing wrong with doing an office job. But what I'm trying to, I guess, say is that you just think like, I never thought about other parts of my life where I'm like, no, if I don't like this, I'm going to find a way you know, to build a career in something else or do something. I didn't have those things for relationships. I'm like, oh, this mm-hmm. is just the way. This is how my life is also, you know, going um, going, going to be um, as well. And I, you know, heard like relatives, other people like, oh, like the concept was always like love is hard. Right. That's what I just felt like in both sides of my family, in friends, like love is hard. And I, mm. and I think I felt, um, you know, it's not a surprise that growing up, I felt, you know, quite rejected emotionally. And I did not feel like the pretty girl in school, you know, the cool girl and even getting into my twenties and, um, like, um, yeah, I felt like I, um, you also have like quite a, like, you don't feel like you're worthy. Like I I had this like sense of like not feeling beautiful or lovable enough since my childhood days. Mm. Yeah. Mm, Wow. So many good points. So many good points. And yeah, that lack of, um, I mean, obviously the self-worth piece, right? The, the piece where, again, where you think that this kind of, uh, aggressiveness or, um, you know, hostility is normal in relationships, right? That's just normal. Um, this kind of pain is normal in relationships, um, because again, that's what you experience. And also you, you mentioned the lack of boundaries, right? Like, and this was so, so big for me too. Something that I'm still currently working on is the, the boundaries, right? Emotional boundaries, just because someone feels this way doesn't mean I have to take on those emotions. Yeah. That was huge, 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 huge. Yeah. In terms of just feeling more stable and secure. Um, so, so tell me about, so when you learned about attachment theory, did you have any like aha moments of, did you have any aha moments? What was it like when you learned about attachment theory? And this is just how some people operate. Sure. Um, well, I had many aha moments. Um, so I would say that like, I really started to kind of when the pandemic happened in 2020, I started to really take my dating life seriously because, you know, I was so scared because of the lockdown and I was like, and, um, but I didn't know how to implement it until like I started working with you. And one of the things I noticed is like, like a lot of things from the past made sense. Like, you know, aha moment I had was like, I didn't, I didn't act from my secure self. I didn't even think there was a secure self. Like, you know how we were just like talking about like not only did I think like it was normal for love and relationships to feel hard and I'm not saying that of course there are trying moments there's like ups and downs in every relationship but 
to me it was like oh it should always feel like you know it's like overwhelming me like not easy but I always thought like oh one person is always more shut down and one person is a little bit more like aggressive that's what I kind of thought every relationship style is like and since I had a more shutdown style you know I kind of thought like and I consistently attracted men who were probably like more dominant a little bit more aggressive Mm -hmm. and you know they were charismatic but in terms of a relationship like you know um they had um more of like a reactive you know way of responding to things and I had more like a shutdown flight type of way type of things and so one of the aha moments I had was I remember thinking like oh my god two people in a relationship don't have to be like that. It can be two emotionally available, healthy people. There doesn't have to be one person who likes to argue and fight a lot as their coping mechanism and another person who just fight, like flights and like runs away. Not that, you know, you will obviously have differences a little bit when you're dating in part with your partner, but like, I just thought it's like normal for both people to be like the exact opposite all the time. So I'm like, it's like normal. I didn't think like aha moment was like, well, like, you know, it's normal that it's somebody actually like, um, you know, if they have a trigger, they get upset, they actually process their emotions first before they project it onto me. And I can do the same for them. Like that was like a big aha moment. And then, and then the second aha moment was also um, um, a major aha moment was like, I can change, like, I can actually change my fearful avoidant to become more secure. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not something that has to burden me for the rest of my life. Like, of course, like, I still have anxious tendencies. I still sometimes do. But, like, it has changed. Like, like it is so much better, I would say, like, 95% better, wow. you know, from the time I started working with you, even though I knew about the theory before. Because, like, you know, it's, it's like, I didn't have, I, I you know, I, that was, like, another major aha moment. Like, I feel like I'm, like, much more operating from a secure type of attachment and then I would say another um aha moment is like you know that to embrace the fact you know to look at this in a positive like way like even though I was trying to transform into more secure and learn how to kind of reparent myself and you know to do things that every child should learn and these are things we don't learn in school we learn about so many other subjects but like you know like I grew like I, you know, I have different accomplishments in my life, but like that I'm proud of, but yet like I didn't know how to get closer to somebody like emotionally, like, you know, those are all skills to be learned. You know, I didn't see it like as a skill to be learned, like you learn how to like, you know, do other skills in your life. And I would also say that, um, 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 you know, that I noticed that there's nothing um wrong with me like having a fearful avoiding because I used to sometimes like shame myself for that too and work towards getting it better and processing my emotions and triggers but also looking at it like why it's because I have so much love to give I have such a big heart like I can really be such a giving person in love you know and probably that's why I was drawn to like you know helping people and I've been able to help other people in like you know in their own lives and relationships and other parts of their life or like financial but I you know would not be like you know, thinking that I'm also worthy of receiving the same love and support, like not just in a romantic relationship, but, you know, just making the decision to work with you, like was like, 
oh, I deserve this. Like, why? I also need support. Like, it, fearful avoiding people have a hard time asking for help too. You know, that's a big thing. And then also looking at it like, because you shame yourself and it's like, no, there's nothing like, I just have a big heart and I, you know, finding the right person who's also like emotionally healthy and available, they will be able to receive my love more. And that will actually make me feel more like soothed, like instead of somebody who activates my anxious anxiety all the time, you know, even if they're like charismatic or they have all these other like, you know, kind of more surface level qualities. Right. So those were all kind of the aha moments. Like I never thought because um I was always drawn to a certain type of person, but you know, it was like getting in my own way. And I was like, no, I actually feel happy, like Aww. allowing myself to feel loved and happy in love. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um and I love that you mentioned, you know, even though you're learning to become more secure, there's a lot of acceptance for your attachment, for those experiences, for these different uh, ways that, you know, you behave and things like that. And I think that's so important because, um, again, there's so many strengths that you get from your insecure attachment style, like your ability to be empathetic your ability to relate to people, to really feel what people are feeling, um, to have compassion. Like there's so many amazing things that you got from that experience, even though it was painful, you still, it helped you become the person that you are today in a lot of ways. So I'm really happy that you mentioned that. Um, And so tell me, what are some of your favorite tools that you got from the program that you incorporate in your relationship today. And I just want to say that I'm very, very happy that you are in this just healthy relationship and you're learning what it's like to feel peace, to feel love, like for the first time, like, and and what a journey it is to kind of go through that process. But yeah, so tell me kind of what tools have been helping you yeah. Um, well, I think there's so many tools that help me, but from what I can think of um, that I use pretty much on a daily basis is like, you know, really journaling and also reflecting. Like if I feel myself getting really overly anxious and I get anxiety, like even now, like after being with my partner for, you know, it's, you know, it's almost going to be like for longer for like a year now. And like, if someone, you know, doesn't respond to my text exactly or doesn't call me back like these seem like little things to someone else but it's like I won't be able to focus on my work or anything like all day long and you know inst I have like a tool has been like journaling or reflecting from my like like secure self like how would a secure person act in this way And a secure person would give themselves permission to feel their emotions, not push it away. But at the same time, instead of jumping to like the negative story, you know, this and this and spiraling, like giving the benefit of the doubt and also knowing because like, you know, not being in denial that it could be all these different types of scenarios, but being like, okay, I'm going to choose the story and be behave for my secure self because like, you know, this is what a secure person would do. Like, you know, they would process their emotions and then they would give a benefit of the doubt. And then, you know, and then if they, if it's something that persisted or, you know, or anything like that, 
then you would, um, you know, you would know how to have like an open communication, you know, with that person. And not just in my relationship, like I'll sometimes feel like this with a friend, like, oh, did I offend some, did I say something? Do they not like me even at work or something um, sometimes too? And then, so yeah, I think thinking for my secure self, just thinking, because when you, you know, like it's not, it doesn't become separate from you. Right. It's like, it becomes a part of me. There's an anxious fearful avoidant Priyanka and there's a secure Priyanka and the more I can behave because the truth is if I was probably like raised by more secure attachment type parents I would probably have grown up to be a more secure attached adult I wouldn't have this so it's like reparenting myself so that's another tool I do is like reparenting myself like inner child you know really connecting to it and asking myself like some of the things you told me was like you know, like, what am I like really afraid of? Like, what is this really triggering me like about um, um, is like, you know, another good tool. So your four step, like secure framing process, you know, like the inner child and reparenting yourself. And then I would say like having boundaries, you know, like, you know, with like, when you get into a relationship, I've also found it sometimes challenging, you know, when it starts to become easier to navigate, so when you start to heal your um, this attachment and style, and you start to become more attracted to more secure, healthy people, so your relationship feels a little bit more easier. Like, of course, there are moments where everybody has it, and I notice like it's me the one who will do all the projection of stories. But then I notice how sometimes another challenge that came up, which I think came up a lot when we were working together, was but everybody else around you in your life, except for your partner, since you've been doing the work and really actively becoming more of a secure person, everybody else in my life saw the more fearful, avoided, anxious Priyanka from my friends to my family. So my partner probably saw more of my secure side of me because I was doing this work and I was working with you in real time and using the framework and all, you know, this, the, um, parenting inner child the four-step secure framework process that you've taught me um and also boundaries but like everyone else around me was used to the another one and so they have their own wounds and trauma and especially like family and loved ones you know like when you're growing so I also learned like the beauty of having boundaries mm-hmm. like literally like just understanding how to have boundaries not just in relationships but in time work health and family like um and friends like um and how to like communicate and like knowing what is mine to deal with and what is not mine to deal with and giving the space for me to learn and um repair conflict even with my family and and also to take ownership for what I did wrong because I used to be a very stubborn person and not want to admit to my side because I would like to be in victim role like it's a lot easier for me you know, one thing I noticed with my family was things did come up. And I think because I was changing and of course, like, um, you know, it's hard for like the people around you to see you change, even when you're changing for the better. I mean, it was hard for me to see other friends and other people who I knew, you know, who were also sometimes getting better. So I can understand from that perspective, but like, you know, I made a lot of effort to like, um, you know, take on, have boundaries with my family and friends and take on what's mine and then learn 
how to like um, let go and know that, you know, give space because anxious people want to do everything, caretake, but it's actually not a gift. Boundaries are scary because you think you're going to be mean. The other people won't like it and they might not take it. You know, I did feel resistance from sometimes family and friends, but it's actually a gift to you and them because then it gives them the space because you're, you're so scared. Somebody is not going to show up for you that you, that's why you take on the caretaking role, you know, you do their part too, but it, 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 it also doesn't help the other person from seeing, from like stepping up and also learning the intimacy skills, like rising up as well too. So I think that was like a big thing I learned, like having boundaries, like just, I knew the importance of it, but to actually just like implement it and have the space and know that this is a very loving and kind thing to do with myself, you know? And to the other person too, even if they don't like it initially. Yeah. And what a huge healing process that boundaries is because setting boundaries really does help with the confidence, the self-esteem, knowing yourself, knowing your truth. Like it is a pivotal part or a pivotal piece in establishing a secure attachment style. And a lot of people have a hard time with that. So you said it's like the guilt the guilt that they feel like disappointing someone, someone's mad at me. Oh my God. Right. And it always stems down to that root of abandonment. Like I'm going to be alone. (laughs) Um, How do you deal with the guilt? Like, do you feel like, does it feel as strong for you now? Or do you feel as though you're okay now with dealing with that emotion? Um, I love that you asked that. So I still do feel guilt sometimes. It's like the human part of me, but not as much. And if I do feel it, I'm able to process it. Like before I would just let my guilt like override me and just go and do the very thing. But now I can hold my ground and have boundaries, even though I'm like feeling so scared doing it. Even now after learning all this, you know, you know, it's not like the thing is you become more secure by behaving in a secure way over and over and over again, because you know, when my personal, you know, opinion and like, I'm, you know, and some, I'm sure a lot of people will think like when a child or a baby is born, you're just completely innocent and pure. Like you're not any attachment style when you're born, you know, you, you become that way because you over and over and over learn something, you know, if you over and over, you grow up with seeing traumatic wounding and conflict and avoiding, you will grow up responding. If you grow up with secure parents, you will see over and over. So it's like, you know, one way the guilt has become, I do still have it, but it's become less is because I process the guilt. And I ask myself, like, is this because I really genuinely feeling guilty because maybe I didn't do something right? Did I say something mean? Is this something means I need to take on? And sometimes that is the case. Like sometimes, you know, I'm not perfect. I can say something or I might, you know, be hurtful too. And we're doing this work with you has helped me take my ego out of my equation. And people think having boundaries means you have to have an ego. That's what I used to think that I'll be arrogant. But no, it's actually like having boundaries is standing up for yourself, but it's also that my ego has been taken out of the equation because I can be like very receptive to somebody telling me, hey, I didn't like what you did 
or like I felt hurt by you, even if I didn't feel like I did it that way. Like I can, I can see someone else's story and point of view, even if I have a different story and point of view, whether it's in a relationship with my partner, my mother, my sister, my brother, my father, or somebody else, because that's the truth, right? Two people, same thing can happen and two people have two different perspectives. So it's like, you're both valid. And so I do, so I think that has helped me to know, like, did I genuinely do something like wrong that I feel guilty? Am I not doing enough? And then if I feel like that, then like, I'm like, you know, I will take ownership and it's a lot more easier for me to not be stubborn and hold on to my ego. But if I didn't, and it's just genuinely me feeling guilty because, you know, the other person, you know, maybe doesn't like, they're used to me being a certain way and overgiving or caregiving, and they're not used to healthy boundaries, then I just tell myself that like, this is an act of self love and care. You know, I remind myself of the times when I did not have boundaries, and I like, gave into my guilt whether it was in past relationships, family dynamics, friend dynamics, and how it did not help the relationship because it actually made us grow farther apart because um, if by guilt I did something I so that they could like avoid their share of the responsibility, but I'm feeling resentful deep inside. I would take it out in a passive aggressive way. So that's what I would tell myself if I did feel guilt that something, you know, I would be like, think back to the times where it didn't lead to the solution because I thought that it would. And, um, and that it's an act of self-love. Like after so many years of putting myself second in, you know, friendships or relationships that were not really healthy. And I also take my response, like, you know, if it's not just about the other person. I also behaved in very sometimes not responsible, not healthy ways. I take responsibility for my part too. But like, you know, knowing that, um, like it's an act of self, like it's loving myself and, you know, I'm not going to abandon myself because, and reject my needs, um, you know, and when you can do that for yourself, then you can actually do it for somebody else too. You won't abandon them because I think I have emotionally abandoned people in the past. I didn't mean it that way, but I like shutting down or not being fully present or not able to hear someone else's side. You know, when you abandon yourself, you also, some you, abandon other people yeah. sometimes you don't realize it and you get abandoned by people too but you know yeah. it's all kind of interconnected I guess so I kind of gave you a long answer but those kind of kind of things that came up yeah <laughs> it's so interesting you say that too because I've been practicing so much setting boundaries in my relationship that and also with family members but with friendships um I've just been so busy but recently I've been you know, hanging out with more friends and doing more things. I was like traveling with friends for three weeks. So a long time to be with other people. And I had, it was the first time where I started practicing setting boundaries and friendships because I noticed, okay, I'm getting really resentful. It means I have to set a boundary. Something here is being violated. Um, and you're right. It does. If you don't set boundaries, it breeds resentment. And that's, the worst thing because that can destroy a relationship right so it it's so scary to do because you have all these fears around it but it's the best thing that you can do right and the right people will respect you the wrong people will leave and that's okay yeah that's okay um yeah and I also loved what you said about the response it's all about how you respond to things like you're yes, 
the attached, like you're still going to have aspects of your fearful avoidant attachment style. Like it's just there, right? It's like a blueprint that you still have. And sometimes with certain trigger triggers, you'll react in some of those familiar ways. Um, mm -hmm. But it's all about how you respond to it. So that's why I love, love, love teaching the secure self, that version of you, that archetype that you're trying to cultivate, because it gives you kind of like a choice. Here's another choice of how you can respond. And by, like you said, responding over and over and over again from that space of that secure you, that is how you change the habits, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm glad that you mentioned that. Um, so what would you say to anyone who is on the fence or is interested in going through this program? What would you tell them? Well, I would tell them, you know, um, to not hesitate at all. And I genuinely like mean this, like you, even if you know nothing about attachment style, this is of course going to benefit you largely because you're going to learn so much about how to be from your secure self. But even if you do know somebody, you know, you do know a lot, excuse me, about attachment style like I did, you know, it took me another four years to just like implement it in real time because so many things come up in your family, friendships, work dynamics, and in your relationship. So if you're in a relationship, you can, I literally, you know, Jessica, and you know, this like we would, you know, I would learn all this in our sessions, but I would also bring specific scenarios, situations, and like walk through them because you genuinely sometimes don't know what you don't know. And you can do your best to be like work, um, like, um, um, what, you know, ask yourself like what a secure person would do, but sometimes you really need to be walked through yeah. it. Like you need someone to hold space for it and give you that guidance. You know, you don't know what you don't know. And if you're single, like, I mean, I honestly wish I did this because I feel like there was probably some people in the past. I mean, you know, like I always believe in divine timing and I was meant to work with you now and I was meant to find my partner and be in a healthy relationship and loving relationship now. So every experience led me, but I feel like, you know, I probably pushed some people away and even friends and maybe even people who, you know, you know, I didn't really completely, you know, you know, maybe give an opportunity to, or like, I didn't know how to set boundaries with maybe like somebody who wasn't right for me during dating. Like it would have been even better for me to do this. You know, if you're single, it benefits you a lot, whether you're single or in a relationship, because you're not alone. That's the thing. You grew up with fearful avoidant because you got used to doing things by yourself. But the truth is life is like really like, people talk a lot about self-love, which is really important. And, you know, I spent a good part of my healing journey learning how to love myself, but you truly heal when you've had painful experiences through other people. You heal through like being loved by somebody, loving someone, opening your heart again. That requires another person. And just by doing this program and working with you, you know, I gave myself permission to trust you, for you to hold space for me. And, you know, to share my biggest insecurities and fears and know that I am like enough, like, like you really, no matter how much, you know, in those moments, you totally like become like an inner child. Mm -hmm. And um, I felt like I also got the opportunity to practice repeatedly. Mm -hmm. So it really ingrained me being secure attachment. And I think that's why, even though I knew this information a few years ago, I couldn't implement it because I didn't have someone holding space for me to know how to also hold me accountable 
and also be very loving and kind and show me this like maybe the blind blind spots but also like over and over across like a few months you know I I like got used to doing things from a secure way like working with you you know it's kind of like going to the gym you'll sometimes start to get a little lazy like you won't go on your own to work out but you start to do it more and you're very empathetic and loving and kind and non-judgmental too which and you share a lot of your personal you know which makes like you know made me feel like I'm not alone so I would highly recommend someone do it's like well worth the emotional financial investment everything yeah oh my god I feel like every time you would have a session I would tear because the things that you say are just so powerful and sweet and like coming from the heart that I feel it. Um, you're just very special, Priyanka. I hope you know that. Um, and I always, always love connecting with you. Um, and yeah, you know, I think a huge part of establishing that secure attachment style, like you said, is in relationship because you were hurt in relationship. So to experience something different um, it has to be in relationship, right? Um, and so, yeah, one of my biggest goals with, you know, working with people is humanizing your experience. And it's like that unconditional positive regard, you know what I mean? Which is really important to know that you're okay, to know that you're human, that, you know, you're doing the best you can. And that's great. So, I'm proud of you. But um, so tell me, last question here, any words of wisdom that you can share? Any last piece of wisdom that you can share with our listeners? Well, I would say definitely do your program. Um, And just, you know, for people like, you're absolutely like, if you're, I'm guessing if people are listening to this, they want love, they want healthy love, they want so deeply to love somebody because their hearts are like just so big and they so want to be seen and loved deeply too. And to just, it starts with you getting out of your own way. Mm-hmm. And no matter how old you are, what you've been through, whatever pain, like, you know, I used to hear people say this and, you know, I felt it was a, a little bit cliched, but like, if someone like me could like develop a secure attachment and be in a healthy loving relationship and all that, then like anyone really can. And it just starts with you. And it is, it's not always easy and confronting, but it's like, you deserve this. It's like a gift to yourself. So if you want love, the first thing you need to do is get out of your own way, love yourself and open your heart. And working with Jessica, like with you is like a really beautiful way to do it. And you will just show up in a different way And, you know, whether you are in a relationship or single, you'll see this reflected in your outer reality for sure. But it it just starts with you to like really love yourself in this way, you know, to admit that you want love to yourself, admit, you know, I used to think that I was too needy, you know, I was too anxious and, you know, maybe sometimes I am, but there's also nothing wrong with those, you know, those things like, you know, it's just the right person will never think that you're too needy, you're too anxious, you know, you know, so, and same thing, you know, you can do the same thing for someone else. Yeah. And I love that you said that piece too, like the right person is not going to think you're too needy. And then that's the thing too, is not to add more to this podcast, we're about to finish there, but so much of what we believe is that we're too needy because we didn't get our needs met. 
the way we desired when we were younger. And that's not the case at all. There's no shame in having needs. So I'm really glad that you, you mentioned that. Um, and anyways, thank you again for being here. Thank you again for sharing your story, sharing your wisdom. I know that it's going to be really, really helpful for people to hear. Absolutely. Thank you, Jessica. Thank you so much for listening and don't forget to check out my secure self academy for the fearful avoidant attachment style. The link is in the show notes. I will catch you guys on the next episode.